will start. All right, we're actually starting now. We're, we're actually in it now? Okay. Do you guys want to open today's episode with a prayer? Just ask for some, some strength and guidance. As Please we... save me from this terrible, terrible situation. What? This terrible situation in which I am risking my life. Dana's already in the role play of today's kink. Hi, welcome to KinkCast. If this is your first episode, uh, let's get you up to speed. This is a podcast that goes into a different fetish or alternative sexual lifestyle every week. Yes, it's supposed to be funny. No, it's not supposed to be disrespectful. We like to think that sex is fun, unless something is incredibly dangerous, offensive, or downright stupid. Like today's episode. Like today's episode, which actually might be a not-so-sex-positive episode, because this is kind of a risky sexual lifestyle. Yes. What's today's topic, Chris? Today's topic is auto-assassinophilia, or auto-assassinophilia. Some people drop the O, some people don't. Is that an attraction to the villains from the Transformers movies? No. Those are Decepticons. This is attraction to the uh, characters from Assassin's Creed. Ew. Oh, I'm all about that. One's named Vito, right? Ezio. Ezio. Dana, what is auto-assassinophilia? Auto-assassinophilia is a paraphilia in which a person is sexually aroused by the risk of being killed. The fetish may overlap with some other fetishes that risk one's life, such as those involving drowning or choking. In some instances, the auto-assassinophile may also derive sexual pleasure and arousal from planning their own death. So let me put in two things real quick. Does it work opposite? If I am enjoying the idea of killing someone, does this fetish apply to me? It's a different name. That's a different thing. Okay, that's what it I It depends thought. on if you're wanting to be killed or... Or not wanting to be killed, but you get turned on by the idea of being killed or you get turned on by the idea of killing someone else. And it is the idea of being murdered and not dying. So this is not, you know, walking a tightrope between two buildings. Mm -hmm. This is not exposing oneself to fire or uh, sharks. Some people lump that in. Yeah. Some people lump yeah. in. Uh, I read specifically about a guy who uh, uh, liked to drive fast speeds on the highway while masturbating. I read that same post. He also broke into houses. Yes. But I think I that was a rush. Like, I feel like it's almost, it almost seems in that case, like maybe he's going for the adrenaline rush. Well, there's a, there's an aspect of this fetish that overlaps with uh, exhibitionism, yeah. where it's the, yeah. the thrill of getting caught, except it's the thrill of getting killed mm -hmm. and probably by your partner. Right. Uh, it's well, kinda... should we play a game yeah. to get started? Yes. So that way everyone can know who we are because it's everyone's first episode. So uh, the day, today's topic was uh, your brushes with death and whether or not it turned you on or not. Does anyone have, does anyone want to open up to the, to the congregation about a time they almost were taken up to meet their Lord and Savior? Sure. Uh, I, uh, once in middle school. Who are you again? Please say your name to the congregation. Uh, Chris. The kink Morgan. The kink congregation. The kink congregation. I'm going to put a TM on that, but you wait. Uh, it's not done yet. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Chris P. Bacon, as Tommy will call me. Thank or you. Or Chris Morgan, as my name actually is. Uh, I, once in middle school, was uh, playing uh, like an airsoft war with some friends in the backyard. I love this story. Uh, and uh, we were waiting for one of my friends to show up. And uh, we had done, like, a few rounds or whatever, and we were back in uh, my detached garage uh, taking a break to, you know, 
reload and that kind of thing. And uh, I heard uh, someone sneaking around outside the garage. And I was like, well, that's definitely my friend. And he's, you know, trying to, you know. Pull a fast one on you. Yeah. Trying to, you know. Auto assassinate you. And just jump around the corner and shoot us all with airsoft guns. But I was like, nah. I hear you. I'm ready for you. Uh, so I had a very, very realistic looking airsoft pistol pointed straight at the open door. And, uh, uh, and I mean, very realistic looking, like it looks like a real gun. Uh, it, yeah, it should not have been in the hands of kids, but, uh, it was the nineties. It was a different time. It was the early two thousands. It was a different time. Yeah, it's like I don't know how old you are. I don't know how old you were in the story either. It was the seventies. Oh shit! I'm immortal. Back then, you would have been just playing with actual guns. <laughs> uh, and the cops wouldn't have been called. <laughs> so that's what happened. So uh, it wasn't my friend sneaking around the corner. The friend that we were waiting for. It was a uh, police officer. Uh, he had his gun uh, drawn and ready to throw down with us. Holy uh, crap. Uh, I'm guessing it was a slow uh, crime day in Allen. Um, it's always a slow crime day in Allen because it's a bunch of yuppie white people. Uh, and uh, they uh, uh, didn't appreciate me pointing at a very realistic gun at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, like five SWAT ca- or not SWAT, uh, squad cars like out front. And like they were all in like almost tactical gear. They've got vests in the back. Yeah, yeah. They were like, and the the cop I had the gun pointed at was like, well, I was pretty sure it was just airsoft because I saw the airsoft BBs laying around. I was like, Is it? then why are you aiming your gun at why, me? Why are you sneaking around? Why like? You know we laugh. But you're only alive because you're white. <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. That's probably true. But it was it was like, why didn't you announce yourselves? Why didn't you do anything? Mm-hmm. You instead, Allen, Texas, fucking yuppie capital of Texas, was like, oh man, shit's going down today. This is what I trade well, for, Well, not to, not to defend the police, because that's not something you'll find me doing often, but your idiot neighbor called and said, I see someone flashing a gun. And I assume oh. that a police officer would see the airsoft pellets and say, well, obviously the neighbor did not call 911 for airsoft guns, because the neighbor would know better than that. Mm-hmm. But no. Uh, no, the cops told us what they were called for, and that it was... There are a bunch of uh, high school kids shooting at each other in the backyard. She didn't elaborate. <laughs> She's a fucking murderer. <laughs> yes, Chris, she- if, if, you, if you had a single black friend or if you were black, that woman would be a fucking murderer. There are teenagers shooting at each other in their backyard. Yeah. And the bullets just happen to sound like little clicks and yeah, not actual gunfire. Yeah, the gun bullets are silent, you know. It was, it was Silencers, because obviously you had access to those. Maybe so we had a very quiet. stern talking to from the police, surrounded by tons of cops that were, like I said, pissed, like guns drawn and ready Did the neighbor get involved? No. She I was been. like, she should have been arrested for filing a false report. 
or not clarifying. Oh, whatever, whatever, whatever. Dana, when did when did we you almost assaulted her house with airsoft? Guns? I was having a hard yeah. time actually deciding because I've actually had a couple of brushes. With You've them. almost gotten killed a lot. I've almost gotten killed. I've um, almost killed people a lot. That's not a normal oh. thing to say. No, I've driven. I do. I you know was a Pizza Hut delivery driver. There are people that walk in the middle of the highway in the middle of the night. Yeah, they like, exist in unlit areas where on three occasions I can remember swerving out of the way of someone while I was going 60 miles an hour because it was the highway. When you were delivering pizzas, you were hammered. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. They, they require it. You drive better. Dana, what was the most arousing time you were almost murdered? I can't say it was extremely arousing. As a matter of fact, I almost I don't know. I I can't say I've been like oh, super. I forgot the second part of the question. Do you mind if I interrupt? Oh sure. Uh, I wasn't aroused. You, Chris was. You were not aroused. You didn't I end was up not with aroused a, with a yeah. with a police fetish after that. No. Okay, Dana. Sorry. You're fine. I'm no, trying I didn't to mean think, to like, interrupt. Do I I can see how like getting like being in danger could be a little bit of a turn on, especially I don't know. I have a little bit of that savior complex, where like. I would be turned on by some the idea of somebody coming and saving me like at this moment, and then of course it's like, oh yeah, I'm turned on. I have to have sex with this person who just saved me. And you know, Bonnie Tyler wrote a song about that, right? Well, I, this one in particular. There've been hundreds of movies that are all about that. So Shrek. I had almost a, every movie's about that. I had I used to date a guy um, a while back, and he was a rancher and liked to go out. You know, this is a West Texas thing. Like you go out into like the you know, pastures or whatever, and you shoot big guns and you feel like a badass or whatever. Anyways, this guy had just come back into town from doing that. And he knew that I was into guns and was trying to turn me on. This is before we dated, um, which now I'm questioning why we ever dated. Cause the I, stupid thing I happened. Assuming where this story is going, and I'm questioning why you yeah. dated the person. <laughs> this isn't the first the time I dated him. This is going to be before the second time that I dated him. Oh, so you dated him previously? Before this, yeah. And he was trying to like be like, "Hey, baby, I'm still cool. Look at all these cool guns that I have." Anyways, so he's going to show me some of the guns that he has that he just you know went and was shooting earlier that day. And I'm really big about gun safety. Like I used to compete. It, it matters to me that you know people are safe with guns. Um, and so like, I trusted this guy cause he was pretty big on gun safety too. And I went to go see these guns. Well, he had them in his trunk in his garage. Well, it's a small garage, kind of a small way to, you have to like, you know, move around the car in order to get to the trunk where he had backed in. So I was standing. One of those guys. Yeah. Back to the parking spots. <laughs> um, well, it was a garage, and the forward was kind of like the best way to get out. You got to be able to pull out in a hurry. Yeah, in West Texas, the first move—the first move should ever always be forward, and that's just a West Texas thing. That's an oil field thing, actually. So, if you've ever worked in the oil field, it's actually the oil field might be on fire. Yeah, or because well, and you uh, don't want to run over anybody who's trying to also leave. So, you always want your first move to be forward. It's so a it's a military thing too. Daniel Day Lewis might be beating uh, Paul Dano to death with a bowling pin. Uh-huh. And you gotta you gotta get out of there quick. Yeah. Well, let me finish my story. He so drinks, so, he drinks milkshakes like 
Hardcore. So let me finish my story. Um, basically, I'm like standing on like the passenger side of the car towards like the back, you know, panel of the, the right side of the car or whatever. And he's pulling out these guns that are also like pointed in that direction. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get out of the way of these. And he's like, oh, don't worry. It's safe. And and just like it literally shot. And there was a hole in the side of his car in the back panel less than six inches away from my hip straight into the wall behind me. So I'm like standing there and this thing, this, it was a 30-30. So it was a big round. And basically he shot through the backside of his car and right by my hip. So real quick, because I wasn't. like the first rule of like gun safety is Never to assume them. that every gun is loaded. Yes. Treat and he said, he was like, oh yeah, I've, I've, you know, taken everything out of them. I shot them today. I need to go home and clean them. They're not loaded. And I've already made sure. Again. I did. Wait, so he was... was And there was actually one of my other friends that was present at the time. The reason the gun went off... Yeah, they're fine. They were over by him, so I was kind of, like, trying to scoot as far away from where he was pointing them as possible. Um, But with another person in the way, it was hard for me to get back there. Because I I don't know guns super well, but I've, like, you know... Because I live in Texas, too, yes, I've gone shooting. Yes, I've I've had guns and... Yeah. Airsoft? Quote, unquote. No guns. Actual guns. Now, was he pulling the trigger to freak you out? No. Oh, okay. He, so no. he wasn't doing was that. Was he pulling the trigger to prove that it wasn't loaded? I don't know what he was doing. Because <laughs> there's a man who shot himself in the face doing that once. Isn't he yeah. famous? Well, it just, it just, it, it was Kirk insane oh. because at the time I had just like, I was in the middle of like my competing uh, career at that time and, you know, was exploring, you know, all these, you know, really getting in, really into guns, really, um, and getting paid to do it. So it was like... I was like, okay, guns, whatever. Like, I trust this guy. He's a good friend of mine for a long time, and we had dated or whatever, and we weren't dating anymore. But it was just awesome because, like, he almost fucking shot me. And then I ended up dating him again later on. When it yeah. comes Because to you guns. were so aroused. No, I was not aroused. I was actually almost, like, tempted to beat the f- tar out of him for being an idiot. Is that, uh, is that a upgrade a, from fuck or a downgrade from fuck? That is a West Texas uh, euphemism. Oh, so you're being more appropriate to the story by saying talk. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Beat the fire out I of them. I treat guns <laughs> like I treat driving, and I assume that everyone's trying to murder me with, <laughs> Wait, with that's, their car. That's, no, that's not a good philosophy for guns. No, I don't own any guns, but I assume that if someone's holding a gun, it's going to be used to shoot at me at some point. Well, I don't talk to that guy at all anymore, but I'm still friends with the other person who was there at the time. And we have reminisced about that night a few times. And it's like, what if he had shot you? And did I'm you, like, I would have Did you think you'd been shot for a minute? I did. Because that's what they say. You don't feel anything yeah. at first. Yeah, I immediately just... did the thing where I was like... like <laughs> Tapping your like, body. Yeah, like yeah. patting myself down, seeing if, like, okay, is anything wet? Like, am I okay? Because I knew it was going to be, like, in this vicinity if it like if the it whole thing me. from the movies where two people are struggling over a gun. Yes. And it goes off, and one of them backs up, and they're like, I've got blood on me. Yeah. And then it reveals the other person was the one who was shot. In the back of the head by the character you thought had died earlier. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was nuts. Um, I think he ended up selling his car, and I was curious if anybody ever found out. That he had shot a fucking hole in his car. I'm so glad that I survived that night. But I was not turned on at all. Sometimes when you're on the highway, you see bullet holes in a car. And you hope it's a situation like that. Because mm-hmm. it's better than the alternative. Yeah. Yep, it is. I don't want to follow that story. My story's not nearly as good. It, 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 mm. Yeah, have you ever almost been shot, Tommy? No. I've never had a gun point. Oh, well, okay. So... 
I forgot about this story until I got that question. So uh, when I was in high school, I had this friend who was a country musician. We're so Texas today. I know. People could have listened to the entire series and not known that we're a Texas podcast. And then today it's just full Texas. So uh, this is actually. people die in Texas from stupid shit. That's what Texans are known for. So I was friends with this country Texans musician. Are known for being shot. And I had not seen him in a while. And he was like, hey, dude, I'm working on some new music. You want to come over and, you know, hear it? It's be good to see you. We can share a beer. I said, okay. So I drive over to his place, and I walk in, and they close the door behind me, and they, the place is devoid of furniture. Mm-hmm. There's just trash and a couple of mattresses. That's your first warning that I should have left. Anyways, nothing on the walls, just like that bare fluorescent light coming down on Cheeto bags. And there's a whiteboard as the only thing on one of the walls. And it says, step one, lure Tommy here. <laughs> step two. No, it's just Expo markers, but it's all math. Uh-huh. And a beautiful mind style? Not a beautiful mind style. More like microeconomics. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a lot of dollar signs and grams. And so then oh. I followed into another room and there's no shit like 10 duffel bags. So they sit me down, they give me a beer and we start talking about music. He starts playing some music and uh, I finally ask, he's clearly a drug dealer, Tommy. I, you don't know. So I asked like, what's in the bags? And he goes, ha Oh, so just that was it. That was that. was the end of that. So, anyways, it was gonna. I kind of wanted to mosey on. I wanted to go home because this wasn't safe. So I was looking to like fake a phone call or something. I definitely like sent out a text message like, "This is where I am. If you never see me again, because you never know. I'm being a little over dramatic, but, but it's not like I'm gonna tell the police or anything." It's I just, heard that's a thing that uh, I like, would have done the same do thing when they go on first dates. It's yes, just it's, it's an true. unsafe environment. I'm not gonna be a rat or a tattletale. It's just like this is an unsafe environment. I need to get out because I don't know what's gonna happen. And then something happened. So then his uh, there was two dudes living in that place. One was my friend. One was a dude who totally sketched me the fuck out. And he actually was a dude who had a reputation of um, sleeping with women who were not um, who were mentally handicapped. Oh, okay. Oh my not god, mentally handicapped or mildly, but still like he was he was predatory. Not are we talking about Trump supporters? Or... <laughs> okay, easy there, Tiger. <laughs> easy there. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so I was hanging out with these two dudes. It wasn't exactly the best place in the world to be. Mm-hmm. And then their third roommate got home. Their third roommate <laughs> had coke in his mustache. Oh, my God. And his eyes were, like, yellow and red, not a single shade of white. And he's wearing a white beater, and he's definitely got coke in his mustache. And he sees me there. And he is not happy to see an unfamiliar face in his uh, his environment. So he says, who's this? And my friend from high school says, oh, this is Tommy. He's a cool dude. But is he cool? Yeah, he's cool. Let's see how cool he is. Which oh, you don't no. you don't want to hear that. He start playing Russian roulette. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. So almost One bullet in the chamber. appropriately, Go. <laughs> he says, come with me. And I'm like, nah, dude, let's just hang out. He says, nah, man. Come with me. And he brings me into a closet, which I shouldn't have gone in that closet, but no, I went you in. you shouldn't be running at this point. But I went in the closet, whatever. 
And this is the seven minutes in hell. He, I realize he is a little bit more high than I he might be on. He's coked up. He might be on two substances though. He might be uh, speedballing. And so he grabs me by the shoulder and he says, and I will never forget this <laughs> as long as I live. If I were God, I would kill every man who kills. And then he held up a photograph of his son. Like, this is my son. I would kill for him. Like, it's a cute kid. This guy sounds badass. That exact accent. And then he pulled a revolver out. And he held it, not to my face, but in front of my face. And he went, you're funny. And then he let me out of the closet. Then I faked a phone call from my mom. Never spoke to any of those people again. And the only one I'm still in touch with died of a drug overdose. Oh my god. So I guess you're not still in touch with them. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, wow, Tommy. Uh, you didn't least, date one for least good interesting measure? story of the night. You're right. No. Did not. You shouldn't have gone at all. That's <laughs> pretty terrifying. I'm funny, though. I'm funny. You're a funny guy. What did you say that was funny? I, I said it's a cute kid. I think you you know me. I uh, one of the things I pride myself on is I'm actually pretty good at keeping cool and. Hey, you got a little milk mustache up there. <laughs> Let me get that for you. You're pretty funny. As <laughs> I just make my like little comments about like how uncomfortable I'm. I'm told I'm funny a lot when I'm in terrifying situations. Like another great story that I have to wait for another time when I got stuck at a Confederate's house who was trying to get a girl I was with drunk on root beer, and he kept. Uh, saying really racist things to piss her off. So she kept hitting him as hard as he could. And it was a, a whole story. We'll get that another time. We need to do a story. Like, let's just do a <laughs> story stories time. episode. <laughs> but let's actually get into the fetish. Yeah. Auto-assassinophilia, which oh, is... Oh, were you turned on? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> but were you funny? I was trapped in the closet and I was begging to get out, but it had nothing to do with sex. But does danger turn you on? I'm curious. I'm the only... Am I the only one that, like, danger turns me on? So... Well, the ideas presented in uh, in the research for this reminds mm-hmm. me of what I read in a Michael Crichton book, his autobiography, mm-hmm. where he talks about how he very nearly died in a uh, scuba diving accident, just like I also very nearly died in a really terrible bike accident. It wasn't really terrible. I, I splintered a rib and I got a, a, a concussion. Mm-hmm. But um, And you drooled on a pizza. What? So a different concussion. Oh, I think it's a different concussion. Jeez. Oh well, that's another story, Chris. We've got too many stories. <laughs> How many times have you been concussed? Like nine or ten. Do you at have least. CTE? Yeah, I'm like a I'm like a professional football player. But uh, there is a there is like this phenomena of post accident or post trauma sex. That's mm-hmm. absolutely a thing. Some people deal with grief that way, too. Yeah, bereavement sex. Yeah. Bereavement sex is totally a thing. Couples will go home from a funeral and they absolutely, absolutely fuck. Very mm-hmm. passionate fucking. I don't think this is bereavement sex. This is like the thrill of the. No, yeah. but it's a it's in a uh, insight into how this part of neurology and sexuality overlap. Mm-hmm. Because there is that strong connection of sex and death. Yeah. And you could argue that, that is one of the most fascinating parts of sexuality. Well, I can see that as like, okay, like there's death involved and the fact that you're still alive makes you feel like, okay, I want to do the thing that makes me feel most alive, which can be sex. Yeah. Right? So maybe that's one way to kind of see it. These things kind of remind you of the other, the reciprocal. It feels like a deep subconscious reaction, like going into the mind, the very, the inky blackness that's deep inside your soul of you almost die, 
you want to yeah. fuck. I feel like there's almost a term for that, but, but I can't quite put my finger on it. It's also the adrenaline rush and, like, it's all the things that, like, your body releases to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. It does it, you know, when you're having sex, and it does it when you're in danger. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take life and you, you boil it down, because you can boil anything down to binary terms. That's just one way to look at things. Yeah. And if you if you boil down human life, it is just sex and death. And so, and taxes, sex, death, and taxes. <laughs> sex is not a guarantee for all people. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, but taxes are. Taxes are. Uh, but yeah, auto assassinophilia is actually not going to be so much that phenomenon, more as it is a, a kink of the idea of being killed and in being in hostile situations. Yeah, really dangerous situations where you have the possibility, the risk of being killed. Now, how often in this fetish is this simulated? Can it can it be simulated? Yeah, it is. It's mostly simulated, and this is a thing that they want to make clear. They are not looking to die. They want to feel like they are going to. The not flight the, response? The would fight you, or flight response kind of thing? Would you say that like some like horror movie nerds kind of fit into this subject, where like there's the fetishization? Oh, yeah. one of my favorite YouTubers... He talks a lot about how he plays uh, horror video games because it's it's sexually arousing for him. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea of being fucked by Slender Man, the idea of fucking Pinhead. I know he's not from video games, whatever. But uh, what's the game where you're in the insane asylum? Arkham Asylum? Uh, not Outlast. that one. Outlast. Oh. Where you're getting chased by, like, the giant <clears throat> zombie fucker. And it's just... Silent Hill 2. He's joking around, but at the same time, he, he, he's sexually aroused by the idea. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay, so yeah, he's going to get me. What is he going to do with me once he gets me? So I've been having trouble like placing how exactly to to think of this fetish. But the, mm-hmm. the horror movie nerd revelation, that, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. Is you, you are sexually aroused by the idea of Jason Voorhees knocking down your door, mm-hmm. of being, uh, in a way, the, the penultimate domi- dominatrix, or the ultimate domineer, dominator. Right, which I oh, thought I was really interesting because they're... I mean, that makes sense. And I actually, looking at some of the research that I did for this week, um, a lot of it did kind of tie it back to novels um, or um, films where the the main character is caught and attacked or, you know, raped or whatever um, by somebody who's planning to kill them. And the fact that it turns people on whenever they're watching that. Um, they want to experience it themselves. So well, you, it's kind of interesting. You look at like old canon films, which mm-hmm. almost always had, they got a gorgeous actress to appear in the movie and she's raped. Mm-hmm. Which granted, that is for the revenge fantasy yeah. of my woman was raped. Now I get to, now I have a free card to murder as many men as I want. Mm-hmm. That's an old cliche. Oh yeah, last, last uh, house on the left, the daughter was raped and now, you know, I can kill all the, all the bad guys. But you could mm-hmm. say that that could fit into auto assassination, auto assassinophilia as well. Yeah, is the idea of the threat of violence opens up and allows for very graphic thoughts. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's the same idea of how um, we toy with our emotions. We toy with our own emotions in a sense. We play with them in fantasy mm-hmm. and. The threat of violence is a go-to fantasy for a lot of people because it it opens up uh, a blank check to do things that you would never do in your regular life. Like, you and... I'm going to get into some odd areas here, so stop me if I start sounding like a crazy person. Because we all have... We all play with ideas that are not necessarily fantasies. Sometimes we're just on a four-hour drive Mm -hmm. and our brain wanders to stuff or we can't sleep. And I would never think about stalking someone and murdering them. Mm -hmm. I would never think about losing my temper and murdering someone because that doesn't feel like that's in me. Mm -hmm. But 
I will play with the idea of um, being involved in a bank robbery or a, or a spree shooting in a mall mm-hmm. and and stopping the shooter and, mm-hmm. and killing the shooter. And it's that idea of the threat of violence. Help me land this thought. The thought of the th- getting to act out of your normal self? Yeah, the threat of violence like and that adrenaline rush mm-hmm. and, and the wash of chemicals that would go through yeah. your brain. Yeah, it's uh, Like role-playing, but but real. That's why we play video games and yeah. watch movies. Yeah. yeah, there's a French term for the call of the void. I can't remember the French term, but that's the translation where it's like, you know, you'll look over the, the ledge. Look over the ledge and be like, I could jump. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I look at someone and be like, I could kill them. Or imagining yourself doing that. Yeah, no, that's... Because a lot of people do. They <clears throat> fantasize about what would it be like flying through the air without a, without a, anything yeah. to save me, you know? But, yeah, that's a thing that I can't remember who coined the phrase, but it was a French thing where it's like, yeah, no, everyone has these thoughts, but, you know, most everyone doesn't discuss them. Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle? No, Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle. Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> from the best show ever made watching the big bang theory is a near death experience for me because mm-hmm. i die laughing every time <laughs> i will i will say that um i'm pretty surprised this this is one of those kinks that i feel like would come we talk, always talk about shame yeah. um i feel like this is one of those that would be like very prone to having shame you know kind of attached to it like I want the the rush of being in this dangerous situation so I can get turned on. There's two sides to that, in my yeah. opinion. I, I think that if you can safely simulate this fetish, there's nothing remarkable about it. Mm-hmm. It's more of an extreme. It's kind it's of a role, role play. It's a role play form of BDSM. Yeah. You know, we saw it on television in Dr. House MD. Mm-hmm. There are people who like will have their boyfriends or husbands or wives or non-binary partners, whatever, mm-hmm. break in and be a rapist. Yeah. And that, that's a fantasy. Put yeah. on the ski mask. Rape, Come ski at mask. me with gloves. Rape play. Rape yeah. fantasies are very Pretty common. common. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the ideas that I've been thinking a lot about lately, just in the, in the terms of how we discuss sex, is the idea of identity and the idea of long-term role play. When you read articles about like couples who will go out and have a one-night stand mm-hmm. with each other yeah. as different people. Yeah. And it's that same idea, except one of them is an aggressor. One of them mm-hmm. is, a, is a rapist. Um, and, and I think that if someone can safely build a fantasy and can safely enjoy the fantasy without that need mm-hmm. to make it real, then it's an entirely different creature from someone who needs to feel like they're actually going to be murdered. Right. Because that becomes an entirely different kink at that point. Yeah. It can't be simulated. hmm Yeah. I feel like this fetish is like the extreme version of like the bad boy kind of attraction. Yeah. Because, you know, what's worse than uh, with a bad boy is, you know, murder. Jason Voorhees. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a serial killer, a murderer, you know, it's all, it's been a stereotype for decades that... Mm-hmm. You know, the girls are into bad boys, and then there are some girls that are literally into serial killers. Dana, scary hot. Do I have, scary hot. Do I have permission to talk about serial killers for one second? Yes, you okay. do. So the girls who were attracted to, what was his face? The super handsome dude who defended himself in court? Everyone is yelling Bundy? at their radios. Yeah, Bundy. The ladies who were attracted to Bundy... Oh, Bundy. Bundy girls, Bundy girls were defending him wow. because they thought he wasn't a killer. So that was something different. Meanwhile, Night Stalker girls and Manson girls, 
they were attracted to the idea that he was a killer. Mm -hmm. So the Night Stalker got this like rock star status the same way a fictional character would where Mm -hmm. girls were lining up because they were sexually attracted to the idea of this fucking murderer. Well, there's uh, girls that were attracted to the Boston Marathon bomber because he was cute and he looked like a little teeny bop boy band member. I do understand. Then that's odd to me. And though. they're like, we know what he did, but he should still be free. That's odd to me. But though. he's so cute, though. Because when I imagine someone wanting to be murdered for their king, and obviously people are going to think a million different ways. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't put any fetish in a box. But I would hazard a guess that the majority of this fetish would involve either being forcefully raped, mm-hmm. or it was simulated, obviously, or the idea of being stabbed or mm-hmm. beaten. And the idea of being shot or bombed, that doesn't have the same no, there's a, psychological meaning. Uh, there was a woman that was interviewed that said that she was extremely turned on by being or by like having sex at gunpoint or at knife point. They even make dildos that are shaped like guns. Really? Mm-hmm. I can't think of many things more American than that. Um, really? They have gun shape? It's, it's I'm rubber. I'm curious how that works. Yeah. Is it just a rubber gun? Like mm-hmm. a licorice gun? <laughs> yeah, like a rubber gun, yeah. Crazy. Uh, there was actually a, uh, a review show that like reviewed old like novelty gifts, and uh, he accidentally <laughs> reviewed a gun dildo that was clearly a dildo, and when he pulled the trigger, it swirled around. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it's got a really cool little... Like, so you look at it, it just like starts swirling around. It's, it's got a like, big old ET figure. Yeah, everyone's like, <laughs> "No, that's that's, not that's what a that's sex for. toy, oh, buddy, oh, that's buddy, buddy baby." It's like that lady. Oh my gosh, I loved it whenever she put. I, th- I think it, surely it was a troll, but it was an older lady who found uh, her son's microphone in the shower and was curious what it was because she hadn't seen anything like that before. And it's like that's not okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's shampoo. That's not what that is. That is not a microphone. And that one lady was like, yeah, it's definitely a microphone. Just give it back to your son. <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, this week, did any of you guys... Oh, it was a... Yeah, okay, it was a pocket pussy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was a dildo. Actually, it was one of the suction cup ones that you can suction to your shower and then... Fuck it. Yeah. With shower water. With shower water. That way it's getting clean, too. You're not to use shower water. For what? Yeah, you're... For yeah. sex toy... For lubrication. Why? It's bad for your sex toys. Oh, okay. I was. If you want to make them, I didn't want. Long. I didn't want my pocket pussy to get a yeast infection. You gotta take um, good care of her. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> did you guys find any perspective so, this week? If I, anyone is listening to this and is uh, working for what's it called? Uh, that that the main one, uh, flashlight. There you go. Uh, send us like five of them so Tommy can just actually have a pocket pussy i don't actually own one no thank you for thank you for outing me chris really yeah we uh, need sponsorships well i'm not i'm not exactly dying we are not going to beg for sponsorships anyways i want to stick to fucking auto assassinophilia and so with that said i think we should bridge this conversation by at first discussing simulated and folks who can get off on it being simulated Mm -hmm. and then get into a conversation about people who can only have it unsimulated. Mm-hmm. So did you guys find this week any uh, perspectives of couples who are into this kind of shit? Uh, Not to I, demean it. I, didn't I mean, I that. saw 
I mean, there's the one main couple uh, that oh, I... Oh, are we going to go into them? Uh, but uh, most of the people that I saw talking about it were individuals that were into it and have experienced it, mm-hmm. but uh, they weren't talking about it as a couple. They were talking about it as an individual. As an individual. Yeah. And, um, like I said, simulated rape play. I mean, that's that's all really I can think of, the, the ski mask trope. There's a horror story from the internet. It's probably made up. It's probably just an elevated creepypasta. But it's, it, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it is. The story of, of a, a dude whose girlfriend begs and begs and begs to do rape play, and he mm-hmm. won't do it, won't do it, won't do it. Finally, the relationship's getting stale. She convinces him, let's do rape play. Mm-hmm. So he goes out and buys a ski mask and all this other shit. And then he breaks into her house and he rapes her, quote unquote. She's saying no, but they have a safe word. That's a major part of this, if you didn't know, is you're taking the word no and you're stripping powers away from it. And you're creating a new word no, which has its own dangers anyways. So she's screaming, no, no, stop, please stop. And like at the end, he takes his mask off and he says, like, this is the face that's going to kill you and all this shit. Well, they break up. And he's kind of done with her. And then she, they break up, and then he's going on with his life, and she sends him a hidden camera video of the rape. Yeah, and, and she tells him if they, if he ever tries to break up with her, she'll send that to the police. Oh no idea gosh. if that story is true or not. It sounds I, like an urban myth, it but sounds like an urban myth. a cautionary tale. I mean, the guy, I mean, the guy did talk about it as if it was him, which usually urban myths are talking about. Like, I knew Other, a guy. A friend of mine. Yeah, this was, and he he did say he eventually just left. Mm-hmm. He just left town, cut off all contact with her, and just was gone. Hoped for the best. Probably. And supposedly, it's been like five years. I was thinking of the urban myth where the guy finally go like decides like yeah I'm gonna go ahead and do that, and then uh, when he gets back, his girlfriend was raped by somebody. Oh, that's a fucking... And she thought it was him. Oh. That's a fucked up story. Yeah. Yeah, that's a crummy story. Because he, he, he went out to, like, go buy the stuff and... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when you take the idea of removing identity from a relationship and you're going to portray different people, mm-hmm. it requires a really strong structure around it. I mean, that's why one of the ideas of doing this stuff simulated should probably have a paper trail. Do we want to get into the story of the couple who are into this consensually? I think we totally should. Um, frankly, it was impressive that that's like literally the first thing that um, pops up whenever you Google um, auto assassinophilia. Unfortunately, this woman is the face of auto assassinophilia. Yeah, like, I don't... Mrs. Lepatka? Um, I don't know if that's her name. Let me see here. We had it pulled up a moment ago. We're having technical Sorry. difficulties. Uh, Sharon Lopatka. She was consensually strangled to death. But not like not like the people who wanted to be eaten. This is she was simulating it, and the simulation got out of control. No, she literally planned the entire thing. Oh, like she planned her own. Whoa, death. whoa, whoa! So I misunderstood that she wanted to be killed. Yes, she was turned on by the possibility of dying, but she also like. It, it started there, but then she found somebody who was willing to consensually killed her, kill her. Um, they exchanged thousands of emails, planned the entire thing, and carried it out. Well, the guy claims that he was never, ever planning on killing her, that it was only a sex thing. Right. 
Right, and but he, and then when she said, "I want to actually die," he just assumed it was like a. It was part of the play. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but she actually died. Her, yeah, she. You literally Google that word, and her entire, you know, name and story and everything just pops right up, which is really, really sad. Yeah. Um. Uh, he went to uh, prison for uh, manslaughter. How old was the sentence? Three to five. I want to say five. manslaughter. Yeah. But I can't remember. But yeah, which uh, if any of you out there are not familiar with the American penal system, there's first degree murder, which is in cold blood, second degree murder, which is in hot blood, and then manslaughter, which is accidental. There's third degree. There's third degree murder? I should know that. I studied that in school. What's third degree murder? I think it is in like hot blood. It's like spur of the moment. In what's second degree? It is a little bit more thought. Like it's not like planned out. But it's like, I think it's like you you had like time to think about it, and you still carried through. I don't know if that's right. I think it's cold blood, hot blood, manslaughter. I mean, we don't have to look it up now. You could be right. I, I'm not trying to make it a pissing contest or anything. I just don't know. It's worth looking into. Mm-hmm. And it could be one of those things where it varies state by state, because states do have different laws for every little thing. So it wouldn't surprise me if Texas has... One, two, manslaughter, and then other states have it different. Because, like, I, I mean, this is nothing to do with the topic, but battery and assault have different definitions state by state. Right. Well, I would love to read this to you real quick. Um, there was also another case of a German man, Armin Maywies, um, in Jurgenbrons. Good job. Um, a case that uh, was examined in relation to a previous blogs on vorophilia. So this particular guy, uh, Jurgen Bronze, desired to be killed and eaten, specifically. Um, and he actually, like, they exchanged emails. Um, uh, let's see here. And it says, uh, thanks for your email. You really turned me on. Winter with the temperature at around 5 to 15 degrees below freezing is good weather for slaughter. Great to be naked and tied up in weather like that and to be driven to the slaughter. Uh, where you then stun me and I collapse. You then hang me up, jerking, and cut my carotid carotid artery. Warm blood flows. Everything goes routinely. I don't have any chance of escape. My slaughter at the last moment is a real turn-on. The feeling of being at your mercy, being in your possession, having to give up my flesh. And the response was, it'll be awesome anyway. Your tasty body on show like that, spicing it. Tying you up will be no problem. I've got rope and handcuffs for your hands and feet. It'll really, uh, I'll really enjoy the bit with the needles. I'll see if I can get hold of some really long ones. I can't wait for you to be here. So um, they actually carried out the entire thing. Um, and later on, it was um, basically. Uh, That's the one that had cannibalism in it, right? Yeah. yeah. It says in court, um, Brand's consent to being killed was accepted by the jury, and uh, he was the other gentleman was given eight and a half years uh, in prison for manslaughter. So uh, this is the thing that happens. Do you guys remember being little kids? And you know, when you're a kid, you're afraid of dumb shit, but you reach that certain age where it's kind of fun to be afraid of something. Where mm-hmm. you're lying in bed and you're letting yourself get afraid of the dark because it's kind of fun to be afraid. It makes you feel important. Right. Just in the same way that sometimes when you, you meet someone who's delusional and they're talking about how the government is after them or how there's a conspiracy at their high school and there's a million people who are like all talking about them mm-hmm. is someone wanting to harm you makes you kind of feel important. Not to just ape on last podcast like I do too often, but they talk about how uh, John Lennon did not believe he could be murdered. He only believed that he could be assassinated. Wow. Which is... He's not wrong. 
Which he's not wrong, but at the same time, what it, does that mean though? It makes you, you if you're murdered, you're just fucking no one. Life yeah, is cheap. You're, you're killed. If you're assassined, you were important. Uh, someone you're came sought you. after. Someone oh. came at you for like a political reason mm-hmm. to like make a statement. But in a fucked up way, I mean, being assassined means you're desired. Not necessarily in a positive way, but just as a kid. Like an icon is assassinated. Yeah. Got it. Okay, thanks for the explanation. I mean, in the same way that, you know, you could be attracted to the idea of a serial killer because it's someone who's stalking you. It's someone mm-hmm. who's after you. Yeah. Um, and as it is in human nature, sometimes we have a hard time differentiating between positive and negative. We just kind of want something. And attention is attention. Yeah. And that is a very passionate form of attention is someone hunting you you can just look to any youtube celebrities for people who just want attention for attention's sake yeah Mm -hmm. not any a lot though but the idea of someone who's coming to eat you the idea of someone who is coming to violently fucking eradicate you with a baseball bat yeah you look at all the people who have fucking negan fetishism people are into that people are way into fucking negan dude huh you guys don't ever read? I don't watch The Walking Dead, but because I get bored, I will read fan fiction mm-hmm. to just kind of either laugh at it or be grossed out. I don't know. It's interesting stuff. Whatever you got to tell yourself, buddy. People want to fuck Negan. Okay. Is it bad that I don't even know who that is? No. He's that means you're probably a, a better uh, person than I am. This guy with the baseball bat with barbed wire wrapped around it. Uh, oh. Anyways, they just keep making worse and worse and more sadistic villains mm-hmm. so that the sadistic villain can kill a character you like, and then there's a really big revenge payoff. It's really all that show is. I see. And AMC keeps cutting the budget and then firing the main actors. But then they get to kill them, because anyone can die at any second, except for the character who's literally bulletproof. Which is funny, because Robert Kirkman, the writer of the comics, uh, once said that the only two characters that were safe were uh, Carl and Rick, because the whole thing is a uh, father-son story. And, uh, Spoiler alert. They uh, they killed Carl in, in the, the TV series. I didn't even know that. Spoiler they, alert, I was going to watch it. They killed him after telling him, we want him, we want you for three more year- seasons at least. Uh, they killed him like two episodes later because he was turning 18 and they would have to pay him an adult salary. <gasps> mm, Hollywood's fucked up. If only- no, AMC's fucked up. Well, Hollywood is fucked up, but AMC. You could do an entire up. hour podcast about the economics of The Walking Dead, and it actually wouldn't be boring. The, fi- the finances it- behind that show are more interesting than the show itself. It is fucking insane how many times AMC has been sued by the people working on the show mm-hmm. for higher pay rates. But hey, what about people who don't know how to simulate their shit, and they want to actually get, like, actually murdered? And I, I guess the difference here that I'm trying to clarify is the dude who was eaten, he found a consenting partner to eat him. And the case where the uh, the lady was choked to death, she found a partner who would consensually choke her to death. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about people who are sexually attracted to the idea of going to a dangerous neighborhood or a dangerous bar, and it turns them on the idea that they are not safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that that's, I mean, I think that that's a real thing, and it's actually being propagated in our culture. Look at the Twilight series. Yeah. Frankly, that was the first one that I was thinking of. Do you know what it kind of makes me think of? What? Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different, but I'm sure for someone out there, it's like this. But uh, those dudes who do prank videos, 
Oh, and yeah. I think it's the yeah. lowest form of entertainment that there is, but it's hood prank videos, mm-hmm. which I think the, the term hood is just offensive on its own. Yeah. But oh, those guys that go through. Guys who, who target African-Americans in low-income neighborhoods, probably playing basketball or like a low-income store. And yell like. And yell the N-word or go like try and steal their phone. <gasps> and then, then yell, it's a prank, bro, it's a prank. But <gasps> the, there's a layer of auto-assassinophilia to that, I feel like. because I think it's just... Uh, they want attention. And so it's staged, too. And but I think it turns them on. I wouldn't surprise... For all the people who are doing doing it, it would not surprise me if there was someone who did it. Turned no, them what on. turns them on is going home and looking at their view counter, and then they're jerking off to the view counter. <laughs> but would it shock you to learn that of all the dudes who are doing hood prank videos, there was one who was sexually aroused by the idea? I mean, I've heard stories, a, a contributor who will remain anonymous, I've talked to someone who said that their favorite part of getting into a fist fight at a bar, mm-hmm. and this was an actual person who actually got in fist fights at bars, probably on the weekly reg. They talked about the best part of getting into a fight was it just gave them a giant boner right then and there. Wow. They were not attracted to men, but they were sexually they were sexually aroused when fighting man to man. There is like a stereotype of guys that are getting into fights because they like mm-hmm. the feeling of being beaten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just as there are dudes who are, it riles them up sexually to be winning a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the hood prank videos, I, I do think they're relevant to auto-assassinophilia. Because a, a lot of times the dudes in those videos are tiny. That's the entire point yeah. of their mm-hmm. video. Should we mention how old this thing is? I feel like it's almost like a newish thing, but did we mention? We it's, a, met- it's a newer thing, but it's like... In 1986. Yeah. That's when it was coined. Yeah, that's when it was actually like attributed, coined, whatever, uh, by, by Professor John Money. Mr. Money. Doc- Dr. Money. Dr. Money. Uh, he's a professor. Um, written in a clinical and academic context by him in his 1986 book, Love Maps, yeah, the, which is uh, kind of interesting. It I'm seems sure. like a lot of these uh, sexologists or sex scholars all have fascinating names. And are sometimes from the 80s. Yeah. Like, that was a good time for, for clinical research and sex. I have no doubt that, like, Rog and Bog of, like, caveman times were really fucking turned on, like, when a woolly mammoth almost killed them. Mm-hmm. Or when yeah. Rog turned on Og and all. I mean, I... Like, a, it's it's the this whole... is I would say this is about as old of a fetish as you can get. You watch fucking Game of Thrones, which, while it doesn't take place in the past, it's a simulation of the past. <gasps> what? It doesn't. It's not actually Star Wars history. does. But yes, a long, Game of, long time ago. Game of Thrones is not confirmed to be the past. It could be a Westworld future. That's a dumb theory. But anyways, like, we used to have higher connotations of sex and death than mm-hmm. we do now. I would say that this is the opposite of a new thing. This is fading. We are becoming less and less uh, associating sex with death. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the olden times when the birth, the mortali- infant mortality rate was fucking nothing... I'd say people used to associate blood with with sex stuff a lot more often. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you could see how easily it was kind of wrapped up in death, too. Well, it used to be like a major part of like just conquering. Like it was rape and pillage. Like Mm -hmm. you go, you finish a battle and then you have your way with the women. Mm -hmm. Like that was a major way to spread your culture into dominate them not only like yeah yeah make your your or their blood your blood right and then not to get into tricky areas or to try to like 
forgive crimes or to, to give consent where consent was not gave, given. But like you go back four or 500 years, people would go their entire lives not knowing what sex really was, not really knowing what consent was. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not trying to say something deeply offensive. I, I'm trying to put together an idea here that fits into this. The idea of a pillaging army being arousing because your life is boring. And, mm-hmm. and that, that sounds fucked up because it's, it's taking away consent. It's, it's making the Crusaders sound like they were good guys or sought after, which I don't mean anything like that. But do but, you get what I'm getting at there? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a spoil. Yeah. A spoil of war, whatever. Well, like, it's, it's whenever women or, you know, things like that were, were considered more of objects. Well, the offensive idea I'm playing with yeah. is, is the idea of a woman being aroused by the idea of a pillaging army. Right. Ooh, well, I don't know. Is that a is that a is that a thing? It's an offensive idea. I know that. Yeah. I mean, who who knows? We we can't talk to them about it. That's like, true. Uh, no, but that that is a thing that's brought up in like uh, Game of Thrones, like you've mentioned. Uh, uh, Stannis Baratheon re- or made sure that his army would not uh, rape and pillage, mm-hmm. and uh, that he they were good conquerors. And uh, in the show, a lot of his army started, like, to mutiny because they're not getting the rewards that they're supposed to get. I earned and that. so all of, like, his advisors were like, you have to allow them to do it. It's mm-hmm. hmm. well, fucked up. I don't know. I think, there's, I think there's a lot of subdued references to this in a lot of po- pop culture. I, I got um, one. Whenever you, yeah. whenever you, oh, Go for you, it. It was the uh, Louis C.K. stand-up. Okay. Um... I don't know if it's okay to bring him up anymore, but uh, he talked about how, and this is actually odd that he had an entire bit about consent. Anyways, he talked about, he told the story of a cocktail waitress when he was first starting off. I think he was cheating on his wife, too. I don't know. Anyways, he was with a cocktail waitress. They got divorced. He was with a cocktail waitress, and she kept teasing him and kept teasing him, and... And, you know, whenever he tried to, like, put his hands in her shirt, she said no, and he respected it, and he took his hands away. Mm -hmm. And that went on for, like, an hour, and then finally she just left his room. So the next night, Louis C.K. is talking to that same waitress, because he's got, like, a two-night gig. And he says, why didn't anything happen last night? Like, why didn't we fuck? You seemed like you wanted to, but, like, you wouldn't let me to. And she says, you know what? I I was teasing you because I wanted you to get so frustrated that you would throw me on the bed and have your way with me. So I was teasing you you because I wanted you to overpower me. And Louis C.K. goes on this entire bit about how, like, you're not. I I don't want to rape you. I don't want you to tease me to a point of raping you. Mm-hmm. But that was that what that woman wanted. Well, but she needs to use her words. Obviously, that's but that, the issue here. But that's the idea of, yeah. of unsimulated yeah. auto assassinophilia. Is that would fit right in with it of someone who's aroused by the idea of teasing a man to a point of frustration that he would overcome her. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've had. I think I probably talked about it on the show before. I've had experience uh, just like that where, like. The girl said no, so I was like, okay, no means no. And uh, then when she was uh, driving home, she texted me and was like saying like, oh, you could have just fucked me. I was like. I'm sorry, we live in a world now where no means no. (laughs) It means no. And that's what, if you don't mean no, then you shouldn't say no. You would say, but can we do this? And I'm sure that's something that the Me Too movement has probably, has probably taken up. Mm -hmm. Because you would never want to say that, uh. There are women who are toxic to that movement, but well, there are women who are. There toxic are a lot to of them, movement. and there's a lot of women that are shamed of their desires to yeah. be overpowered, to be 
um, dehumanized, or not dehumanized, but like... There are people who like to be dehumanized. Yeah, like to be, you know, taken viciously or whatever. A lot of women have trouble, like, actually saying the words, like, this is what I want you to do to me. So they hope to provoke that in the other person, and which is, it's setting up a very toxic kind of sexual relationship, and also one that is very, very likely to become something not... Uh, healthy in either either situation. So, what a beautiful. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, I just feel like I think that's that's a good thing to point out here, and I'm I, I hate when that happens because I have a lot of guy friends that have been through something very similar to that, and it's like, oh well, you could have you know you could have had your way with me if you had just you know if you tried, tried harder. harder, right? Like if you had just been a little bit more forceful, and it's like, well then just fucking say it. So like it may not be sexy to say I want you to like spank me or you know tie me up or something like that or, or take me forcefully. But if you put those things into words, not only are you like setting in motion the possibility of that ever happening, but also I feel like it's kind of a little bit where you're kind of more accepting of your own feelings about what you're desiring. Yeah. So I think that As it's necessary always, to communicate. Is <laughs> yeah. And I feel like especially with these these really extreme fetishes like this one, there's a degree of disdain towards um the inorganic act of making a contract. And I I think the world is chock full of people who have sexual fantasies that they'll never get to enact because they're too afraid to put it in words. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's mocked by popular culture, the idea that we're becoming such a consent-driven society that people have to make sex contracts and they have to make agreements that it's consensual, this and that. But there is the whole, like, thought, which is not completely incorrect, that... Like it's like passionless, like yeah. it's it's sterile. But it doesn't have to. It takes the fun out of it. It doesn't have to. Takes the impulsivity out of it. Takes the spontaneity out of it. It's the like, you know, passion has been a huge thing in like all history. You want someone to be passionate about you, to be like, to just grab you and just and make that, out with and you. And that's or an art mm-hmm. and media. But that's that goes back to the idea of us being not brainwashed. But I, I have what is my own personal coinage of what I call third act syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I think I've talked about this before. It's going to be a bit of a, a, a diatribe here, but, but hear me out. We live in a world where we have prologue, things happen, and then a second act happens, and it's change. Mm-hmm. And then life just kind of continues in that cycle. The third act never comes in real life. Mm-hmm. In movies, there's prologue, this is what life is. It changes then there's finally a climax. Right. Everything rounds together. It's it's tied up in a pretty little bow. Convergence, there's a climax yeah. moment where you, you're tested and it becomes something and relationships are consolidated or or conflict is ended. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the fairy tale begins. Yes. I still yeah. I still think there are climaxes in life. It's just it's not it's, it's not, not the three act structure. And it's not the intricately plotted out yes. like, oh, this is where all these threads are leading to. It's mm-hmm. like in life coincidences happen yeah things are meaningless all the time so like it's not going to lead to a peak you're gonna have the peak that doesn't mean anything any of the other threads are gonna lead there the new season of the unbreakable kimmy schmidt kind of talks about this of if you apply the idea of what i call third act syndrome which is just a goofy fucking name i'm not trying to be a Big, big britches here. I think it's awesome. But uh, if you apply that to relationships, you know, since age two or three, we're being sat in front of movies that all have these the same coding. Mm-hmm. And it's not till we go out into the the real world that we figure out that the 
It doesn't have that same coding. Mm -hmm. There's some people who never figure that out. And that's what makes it so dangerous for relationships because you watch a movie where the woman says no and the woman doesn't like it, but he knows she secretly does. Mm -hmm. And, and like fucking, especially older movies. Yeah. And fucking Christian gray, Han Solo, uh, Edward Cullen. They have that moment where they finally overpower and she loves it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a fucking toxic idea. If you're not a mind reader and she's not into it, because that's probably how a lot of rape, actual rape happens. Mm-hmm. Um, not good, not good, not good. Don't do it. Life isn't no a movie. No means no, and respect that. And if she doesn't, if she means something else, she says no, but she meant yes, get away from her. Because obviously that's a situation for disaster. So it, it might sound like it's without contract, but if, if there's anything important, if there's a real lesson to take away from today's episode, is that, you know, it's awesome to embrace fantasy is that if you have sexual desires and you want to have a fascinating sexual lifestyle, it takes communication, it takes reaching out, it takes consent, it might even take a paper contract. But that means fulfilling fantasy. Because even though it's going to be inorganic, you don't live in a life where it's going to finally come to this this natural climax, this natural third act, Mm -hmm. where everything's going to come together and a fantasy will actually play out. You have to establish it with boundaries, with relationships, with, with searching for it, with communication. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think so many people would, would scoff at the idea of FetLife, mm-hmm. which is people getting together and organizing sexual activities and, and establishing new relationships because that's, that's perverted. That's, that's inorganic. I want to meet someone. You, mm-hmm. you find people who are opposed to the idea of Tinder because Tinder is inorganic. It's people looking for each other. Like the stars are supposed to align to guide you to someone. And, and I get that if you're looking yeah, I mean, for a, Tinder for other reasons. I am too, especially because it's changed. The algorithm I think is more um, fucked up these days. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. Oh, I, I just find it much easier to communicate and talk with someone face to face than it is to talk with someone, especially when you're first meeting someone over text. Well, yep. and the real way that people meet these days is Twitter is my understanding, but whatever. Oh, really? Slip into your DMs. Slip into the DMs. Um, I, that's, I think, wraps up about what I had to say is that, you know, your your ultimate sexual fantasies, fantasies especially if they're a little, little bit odd, they're mm-hmm. not going to happen organic. And if they involve some sort of some sort of physical violence simulated or some play that is rather violent, you know, trying to manipulate someone into it is only going to end poorly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And yep. this is something that's been discussed on, on true crime podcasts, but you look at the serial killers of the world and, you know, if they had just been able to, you know, fucking simulate that shit that in the modern era, the, the big hitter serial killers could have, you know, led normal lives if they'd just been able to mm. do rough play. Not all of them, obviously. I disagree. I, there, there's a step to killing that is beyond uh, most humanity, and I do think it is mental illness, and I don't think that serial killers in particular, we see cases of them uh, what's escalating. Yeah. I... I think that that would only be a stepping stone this is a this is a dam that's gonna break it's the it's the sandbags that you stack to keep the flash flood from happening but it's only gonna hold it off for so long it's still gonna break through i don't know i I imagine a couple where they're really into like murder play like you know Mm -hmm. they like to dress as horror because the horror movie sexuality thing is a huge community right and i feel like 
being able but to... That's a different thing than serial killers. Uh, yeah, that's true. I, I think the serial killers have a mental illness inside them that they... they it's not a guarantee that they're ever going to kill, but that's the way that their lives it's have dispassion. gone. It's dispassion for human life. Yeah, the way their lives have gone, the circumstances that they have grown up with, so many events have to converge to essentially destroy the humanity that's inside them that when it comes to that point it simulation won't work it'll work for a bit but it's just a stopgap it Mm -hmm. eventually they're going to go further otherwise there would be no escalation there would be the serial killers that uh would just think of or would like pick up the girl and then never do anything or pick up the girl and oh i've got a knife in my car isn't that like I, I could kill them, but I'm not going to. But they always they always escalate. escalate. That was good. That was good. I think we've dif- differentiated a lot of different yeah. things here, and I'm really glad. Even though this is a long a long show, I think that this is a good way to separate the kind of places where, like, okay, there's a there's a way to simulate this. There's a fantasy element to this, and the ways that there are, you know, there is a possibility, there is a way of simulating this. However, there are also, you know, like you said, moving a step beyond and actually putting yourself in a place where you may encounter actual, like, danger to your life. Um, like and, trying to frustrate it, someone, a one-night stand. Right, yeah, right. Or, or um, there was a woman I was reading about who actually, like, put herself like she didn't mean to, but she found out that she had this um, uh, particular uh, paraphilia by actually like being 20 or 30 feet away from someone who was getting shot and goes home. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I was terrified. I was afraid for my life. I crawled away as fast as I could. However, I was actually really turned on by this. So I guess the one who kept putting herself in more and more dangerous situations. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just interesting to see that, you know, okay, this thing happened once. I think it also has to do with trauma, kind of reliving that trauma. And maybe there's some kind of, um, uh, I don't know, release out of that, but maybe that's a separate thing. I don't know. I have my own theories, but I'm not a trained psychologist. So, um, but all of those things are kind of really close in the neighborhood in that area of the brain. When you suffocate and you can't get, you know, you can't get fresh air, that Mm -hmm. first breath of air is some of the nicest like fresh air you've ever had. Mm-hmm. If you are dehydrated, that first sip of water is better than any water you've ever had. So I guess the idea is that if you almost die and mm-hmm. then survive, that's a that's a release, that's a pocket of pleasure. Colors are brighter, things so taste you, better. If you combine yeah. that with sex, it's almost a physical sensation of mm-hmm. to have survived so you are alive and combine that with sex. Probably right. not the case for everyone, mm-hmm. but that could be a case for some people. Yeah, yeah. And you hear about people having near-death experiences and saying everything is more is better now. Everything is amazing now. Like especially if you I escape appreciate unharmed. things now. Yeah. <laughs> when you, I had the yeah. concussion and splintered rib, that's not how I felt. Well, um, yeah, it's the near-death experiences that you know there there is no permanent scarring. It's the it's the gun goes off and hits the door next <laughs> to you, yeah. and then that's the like, oh my god, I was a step away from dying, and now I've got a little skip in my step and walking down the street whistling to myself singing zippity doo and I'm not going to continue with that song. <laughs> is that, okay. Is it good? It's, um, it's from a very racist movie. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so are we ready? Dana's for... lit corner. Yeah. Dana's lit corner. So today I don't Let's have. Let's get lit. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of products because frankly, like you can find a ski mask wherever. Like, I mean, if that's really your thing and you want to simulate this with a, a partner that you trust. Okay, you should have, great, to have a but... license to have a ski mask, you know? Yeah. I, that's a joke. If you're going to freak out at me, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, I was impressed because I was like, okay, surely there's some erotica out there. Like, oh, um, so. I found some and I figured I'd read a little bit of a poem that is written by somebody who has this particular paraphilia and um, felt inspired to kind of write this free, free phrase poetry about it, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to start a little bit further down, but it just says um, for kisses and licks sake, turbulent mouths as it drizzles and pools at your pretty feet. After devil's play, I sent you up with soft gauze, your sexy death skirt, a uh, red splotch print gouty, my cock down your throat, a bloated jelly lozenge. You look up so bright, gleeful, knowing the coup de gras is coming. You're in the mood, you say and call, do me. I grab the shank of your hair firmly, ecstatic, and slit your neck wide and deep. You blink and shudder as your smile morphs to exquisite horror. A baffled grimace, oh sweet surprise face. An eye floating in mud and then darting wild wonderment. Skull sockets like melting moons. Mouth, a gash like twisted metal. Your new world in ten seconds, a dim smudge. Doped, evaporating, a ghastly pleasure. Um, so kind of interesting. It's a very, very, very long Damn. poem. I thought Twisted Metal was a video game with a clown. <laughs> well, I also found someone else who was in an interesting situation and found out about this particular fantasy. And she even refers to it as a fantasy. Um, it says here, I, I'm not sure why I started, but I started when I was 11. I was playing cops and robbers with some friends and neighbors. I was cornered by two of them down the side of our house. I was wearing my favorite blue play dress, which was getting a little short as I was growing out of it. Not sure why I remember that. Anywho, I was concerned, and the two boys gave some cheesy action movie dialogue, which I forget because I felt this bizarre feeling between my legs. I was 11. I had no idea that was, uh, what it was um, as they pointed their cap guns at my chest. They finished the cheesy line and started firing their cap guns into my chest, and I slid down the wall of the house, jerking and convulsing as we always did when acting out our deaths. Uh, this time, however, I was extra convincing that they were uh, with the writhing and gasping as I was having my first orgasms. Uh, sweet innocence that they were back then. They just thought I'd become a better actress. Um, so basically, since then, this particular person has come out with a whole bunch of different art, um, basically showing different ways that, you know, are kind of like sexualized, highly sexualized death like scenes. Like crime scenes. Yeah, crime scenes, but they're highly sexualized. So this particular one is a completely naked person uh, that has been shot in the head laying on the hood of a car. Um, there was also another one that's called... Um, is it CG or real? Over or in a snap. Um, these are CG. That one's CG. Um, this one's called Over in a Snap, and it basically shows one naked woman actually snapping the head of another woman in front of her. Um, and then, you know, a few others with, um, you know, obviously mortal wounds being very, very sexualized. So um, kind of interesting the way that this particular artist Lady in a coffin. Um, was able to kind of capture the essence of that without actually showing anything actually in the the process of happening like it's not showing anybody else it's just showing kind of the aftermath do you remember when uh in the catcher in the rye which i stand by no. i stand by that's a good book uh -huh. not because it's well written but because it's it's a performance piece 
it's like someone became someone else and wrote a book as that person. So right. I, I think it's a good book. Whatever. Fuck off. Um, but there's a scene in that book where the main character, whose name I don't like to say, <laughs> is super uh, lonely. He's super bummed out. Mm-hmm. And when he gets back to his room, he's pretending he's been shot. He's pretending he was just in a shootout in Cowboy Times. And so he's 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 struggling to get back in. He's pretending he's been shot. And, and mm-hmm. it fits in with this idea. Is you know I remember doing that too when I was a kid of pretending to get shot. You mm-hmm. get to be the center of attention because you're hurt. Well, it's, you're it, a brave hero. Yes. You got hurt while trying to defend others. You deserve death, attention. Death has been romanticized for all of humanity. Who was it that watched their own funeral? Tom Sawyer. That's right. The Rush song. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's been romanticized for, you know, for forever, where it's like the, the noble sacrifice, the, you know, the gallant hero who saves the princess and gives up his life to do it and mm-hmm. tells her in his final moments, like, I always loved you, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's, it's in every piece of media. i go, Jack. As long as there have been <gasps> kids, there have been kids who would play death. Mm-hmm. I did it. Every friend I had play did war, it. Play war, yeah. Every kid, well, not just play war, but the idea of, like, to take to assume the responsibility of death. Mm-hmm. If you want to take it to the next extreme, I think you could separate kids into those who didn't really understand death, and those are the ones who always had a shield up, who, if you were playing finger guns, they couldn't die. Mm-hmm. And then there were the kids who would gladly die, mm-hmm. because it was fun. It was fun to get shot five times in the chest. I loved, one of my favorite games... And I still play this to this day, <laughs> is if you're standing next to a pool, you have someone shoot you. Mm-hmm. Like your Don... What was the Don from Breaking Bad? Uh, Cheadle. No, different Don. <laughs> but uh, you have... Uh, even though he died of poison. But whatever. You have you have someone shoot you and then you fall into the Scarface. pool. Yeah. He did fall into a pool. Yeah. yeah. He was shot like a hundred times and flew back into the pool. But there's there's an idea of, uh, of attention uh, if, if you're dying. And so you can see how that definitely relates to sexuality. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, this has been a good discussion. And I think mm-hmm. we should go ahead and move on to the FDI. I think it's time. Um, I want to go and do pop culture. We already talked about some We're of that. A lot. Did, did you, you have did anything you have to add? Let's do last call for notes. I mean, there's... A million. Uh, Dexter. Uh, people who just like find him super attractive because he's a serial killer. Uh, but I don't cute people the, who are good. The super intense people. Like I don't that. have emotions, which makes me feel bad. I admit, I Hannibal. have been... Oh, ah, yeah. Hannibal. Uh, Clary Starling. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hannibal Burris. You took one of my jokes. Who's 35, by the way? Yeah, I know. I looked it up, too. Uh, but yeah, uh, Hannibal, both the uh, movies and the television series mm-hmm. uh, in different ways. The television series was uh, very homoerotic. Psycho. Uh, Psycho is one Psycho. as well. People were really, really, really attracted to the character of Norman Bates. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like I said, it's been, it's existed since humanity's been around. Mm-hmm. The idea that you know, death is beautiful. And that, therefore, a killer holds some sort of spiritual meaning, which, you know, I guess it's worth going into for everything that we've said. There really does not need to be mysticism around killing because, you know, fuck murderers. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no grand rom- romance in actually doing this. Mm-hmm. Taking a life is not cool. Uh, and I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm anti-death penalty and anti-war. I really don't think there's very many justified situations to kill someone whatsoever unless their their finger unless it's the uh, the fucking um the 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 train dilemma the trolley problem mm-hmm. 
Unless it's the fucking trolley problem, like, you know, fuck people who kill. There's no point to kill. Gas attacks are not cool. Beating. Literally anyone can do it. Yes. Like, it's not a hard thing to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Uh, It usually takes a psychopath to do it because it, like... It's easier whenever you don't feel feelings for other people. uh, Yeah, like, (laughs) killing people breaks people. Mm -hmm. Like... On the most fundamental level, yeah. yes. Like, there are reasons that soldiers have PTSD. It's not just because, it, a large part of it is because of the death they see around them. A large part of it is, like, guilt. Mm-hmm. Where they've killed people and they feel terrible about it. Yeah. Because, like, we've all experienced life. When you, Very few of us want to experience death. You can have yeah, yeah, your yeah. your own opinion about things like the death penalty and mm-hmm. things like war, um, but I, I would say for everyone, killing for fun is a toxic emotion. And I think you meet people sometimes on on any political spectrum or on any idea or any theology where the idea of murder kind of sounds like fun or it sounds cool. Um, or justify and, and and part of being of being human and having the emotions that we have is that we do like to play with these emotions. That's why we play video games and all video yeah. games about and murder. Because it's fun to play with this shit. Mm-hmm. But to actually do it is so fucking stupid. And not to trivialize it, but that is a very, like, adolescent kind of thought. Yes. Like, there's a reason that growing young men love Boondock Saints. Yes. And Quentin Tarantino. And Quentin Tarantino. And it's because... They, well, Quentin Tarantino, not so much. He has movies that do not glorify death that are very real. Uh, uh, but uh, Boondock Saints is like, you know, all to solve all your problems in your life, mm-hmm. just start killing them. Go the FDI. I will give this a five. I, I think we need to split this. Yeah. I think we need to split this. In organizing and discussing with a particular partner to role play this, I think, to an extent, with a safe word, knowing where it begins and where it stops, at what point does the fantasy stop and we go back to just being us, um, I think that that is like a three. Um, When you provoke somebody that you have not communicated with, that you are provoking in order to get a response out of them and haven't actually said, hey, I'm into this fantasy, rather you're trying to provoke that kind of action out of someone, is a four. And then I think if you're actually putting yourself in physical bodily harm, like a place where you could possibly be killed and are provoking that in a sense where you're like literally putting yourself in a place where you're trying to get, you know, around guns or I don't know, around stuff like that where you, yeah, yeah. Where you're trying to put yourself in a situation where you will be attacked. Um, I think that's fine. I, uh, want to refer back to our uh, autoerotic asphyxiation episode in that this is a a form of edge play that uh, you can be safer, but when you're pushing it as close to the edge as you can get, it is going to be very dangerous and accidents can and have happened. Uh, So I'm going to continue sticking with my five. And, uh, Five for even simulated. Yeah, across across the board. I would like to quote uh, our favorite. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Doctor Sex Magic. Uh, 
Mark Griffiths. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. In his article about this, he ends <gasps> He saying, did an, an article about assassinophilia? Yeah. Oh, wow. You, I you didn't even had find it that open. one. Hmm, I was looking at a different one. Oh, yeah, it looked like you had it open. It was the exact same text I was reading. Uh, I have, or his last sentence is, I have to be honest and say that although I am a sexual liberal, I find it hard to accept consensual sex killing and think it is morally wrong. Uh, so for this one, I, I kind of have just coined a new rule in my own head. And that is, if your edge play is so dangerous that it has to have a paper trail with actual like... Because I, I think the only way, that if you're going to remove the word no, you're going to simulate rape. This is the idea of having a partner break into the house with a ski mask. Mm-hmm. Or the idea of meeting as strangers. Um, the simulated, I think I give simulated a four. Mm-hmm. Because you have to have a written response written consent you have to have a thorough communication the amount of breakdown and buildup that this requires to do it safely mm-hmm. it, i mean it might defeat the mood for some people that's the only way to do it and that that's a four and as i've said before and even then when you have a paper trail if an accident happens the other person still fucked it's fucked for life yeah and as i say anything below a five you know i don't i'm not going to shame it i'm not going to say you shouldn't do it it's just how much concentration and focus goes into it Mm -hmm. and as we've discussed with other fours a four there's no guarantee of safety there's no guarantee of safety there's just a degree of being safer and it requires a lot of breakdown and a lot of discussion and i would say it should even involve discussing with third parties um if if you're going to do it right Mm -hmm. it's not that you shouldn't do it it's not that you can't do it it's that if you want to simulate auto assassinophilia you really have to be safe. As far as rape teasing, actually getting into dangerous environments, obvious fucking five. Find yeah. a way to simulate this. Find a way to simulate this or, or explore your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? Final I, notes? I liked this episode. I think this was good. I'm glad that we explored this, even though I really, I for a long time, I haven't felt comfortable about doing anything that's going to be close to a five on this show. But I think this is one that we needed to talk about. Yeah, and I think yeah, that it's man. interesting... Um, I think, I think this was a good one. Yeah. And, uh, as always, if you disagree with anything that we've said, or if we missed something, uh, make sure to, uh, con- get in contact with us. Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, we're not on Facebook. I don't think maybe, uh, yeah, we are, but we barely use it cause it's Facebook. Yeah. Fuck Facebook. I love it. It's evil. Send me a message on, fe- uh, on Facebook. Uh, email us at, uh, kinkcastpodcast at all one word uh, at gmail.com and uh, uh, we're growing slowly uh, not advertising though so Don't it's all money. through word of mouth oh, I never yeah. asked for money you fucking idiot you're <laughs> so dumb you did this last week too I know. you don't let me finish talking it's funny, it's funny. <sighs> I'm being funny why so I got cut last week. Tell your friends. Tell your friends too. we're an interesting show. We talk about interesting things. We want to know their thoughts and yours. Yes. Let someone know. Tell tell people about the show. Uh, we can do more. We can talk with more people. The more people that get in contact with us, the more comprehensive we can be. Mm-hmm. So the more people that know about us, you know, the more people we can talk to. Yeah. Also, we do respond to every message that gets sent our way. And Even you... though it might take two weeks. I'm sorry. The one person who contacted us. And I can fix it. 
basically <laughs> just their email for two weeks. Well, and finally, when we do get back to you, we'll treat you like uh, a celebrity because we want to get to know you and find out more about you. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to talk to people that have listened to our show and are interested in other kinks. I do have one final question. How do you become a sexologist? Do you just give yourself that title? <laughs> PhD. Well, join us next week and we will see you again. Thanks for listening to KingCast. Bye.